there. Welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday. I was going to say afternoon, Bork. Morning. Good morning. I've been up Good. so early, <laughs> early today. I feel like it's nearly the afternoon. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, Good morning how, listeners. How are you this morning? Great. Absolutely fantastic. Now, we're gearing ourselves up for um, a rather a good week weather-wise and we're going to talk about weather and gardening and maybe what we can be doing in a moment. But first of all, a blight warning, I think, to start off. Yeah, well, it, just in particular, the last couple of days with the humid, wet weather and even this morning, it's a little bit uh, with the drizzle, it's a little bit moist. Mm. It's typical blight weather and, and a lot of our listeners have planted their potatoes back in March and April. They're doing really well at the moment and really the, it's this time of year to, to protect potatoes against blight. And in particular, the, the weather conditions over the next five days are going to be very, very good. We're into a high pressure blocking system which is going to keep all the rain after after this morning's drizzle we're going to have really good weather right up till next Friday. So it's going to give ideal conditions for spraying in, in general around the garden but particularly with potatoes. So my advice really this afternoon mm-hmm. or tomorrow morning or over the weekend get some of your, your blight treatments on and protect those, those uh, crops of potatoes because prevention is better than trying to cure the problem later on in the summer period. So use something like the Promoximal, which is very good because it's systemic. If you apply it to the foliage of potatoes, it absorbs it and it protects from within, which is really what, what you want. It's what the growers use. So really, I suppose, use the good weather that we're going to be getting over the next couple of days to keep your potatoes growing very strongly. And, and this year, they're absolutely brilliant because the moisture content in, in soils is super. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice and moist. The growing conditions are superb at the moment. And so don't allow the blight to spoil that. So Promoximal you'll find very, very, very good on, on potatoes. It'll work for about three or four weeks within right. the plant. So once you apply it, you, you can forget about the, the crop for another, at least another three weeks. Um, so if you apply over the weekend or into Monday, Tuesday it, during the dry weather, you can certainly leave it till early July before you need to retreat again. So I suppose that's the first thing I'd, I'd, I'd advise people. And in general, I suppose I've, I've just noted in the last two or three weeks that gardens have got not a little bit, not probably a little bit neglected. A bit in that. raggy looking. Yeah, because the weather has been inclement to get out and mm. kind of keep the garden trimmed and neat and tidy. Yet it's been very good weather for growth. So we're seeing lots of uh, weed growth, grass growth, and um, growth in general has actually been very, very strong. And but people may not have got the opportunity to get out there and just keep on top of that. Weeds, for in particular, have really come to the fore in the yeah. last um, chickweed and, and uh, all the all the vigorous weeds are really growing very fastly at the moment. So over the weekend it's a good time to get out there with the garden hoe tidy up the garden. If you've got weeds on your patio or driveways take control of those now. So I suppose the advice is really use the dry weather over the next couple of days to get back into the garden and tidy it up and take control of certainly weed growth because it's going, we're coming up to the time of year where a lot of weeds are going to be coming into flower, producing the next generation for next year. So take control of those now and tidy them up. And even lawn weeds, things like dandelions mm. and daisies. I noticed there was a question in this morning, somebody interested in dandelions in their lawn. This is the time of year when the weeds are actively growing. If you treat them with something um, like a lawn weed killer, you get a very, very good control because the weeds are actively growing. They're taking the, the treatment very quickly and it kills them off um, very fast. The other thing you're going to notice is a lot of pests, a lot of green fly around. Um, again, with this warm weather coming, you're just going to see a big activity of caterpillars on plants, uh, aphids on plants, black green fly, mm. and so on. So keep an eye on particularly plants like roses that are very susceptible, fruit trees, uh, gooseberries, blackcurrants, those sort of plants. Keep an eye on them. Don't spray unless you see 
activity there but do do could take control once you see it because right. again you're going to you can go out on a plant and there might be a couple of green fly on it today yeah. within a week or 10 days infestation absolutely and that's how quickly it'll happen particularly as we get warmer weather because you're not getting the heavy showers to wash the pests off the plants so that's the type of thing the other thing that, that I've noticed is the soil conditions are really good for planting Okay. And sometimes in the summertime, it can get very, very dry. Well, sometimes in the summertime, it can get very dry. <laughs> Usually, but well, occasionally. At the moment, the soil is absolutely perfect for, for planting. So if you are thinking of putting in a new hedge, we mightn't generally associate June as a planting time. But certainly with the soil conditions the way they are, if you're thinking of putting in new shrubs or a new tree or you want to plant a new hedge in the garden or you want to put in your bedding plants, this is super weather. Mm. Soil conditions are perfect. Growth is going to be very strong over the next couple of days and it's a really good time to get plants into the garden and make make use of that really warm weather that's going to come. Yeah, I, I ha- I've been on the road a little bit during the week and um, I have to say you can really see things like the copper beech hedging yeah. out in force. I passed by a house yesterday and they had a wildflower meadow and it was all just coming into flower yeah, and it super. was absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah. We'll give that another week. Yeah. Give that another week and it will absolutely be beautiful. The poppies will be in flower, the oxide daisy, all of those plants will really benefit from the heat because the moisture content is there. So the plants are ready to go. Uh, I was actually in Dublin yesterday and uh, lavender is in full, we're just coming to the full flowering stage. So it's going to be fantastic now over the next Mm. couple of weeks with this heat and um, that were promised. Um, so, so I suppose it's it's using the weekend really to get kind of a head start in the garden, tidy it up, um, even the kind of pruning back of plants. Things like laburnum has just gone out of flower. It's a good time just to trim off the old flowers. Early flowering rhododendrons have gone over. Um, I, I think you were chatting about the forest flame last week. We were indeed, you know. yeah. So spring flowering plants, red, the red flowering currant, the berberus that's just gone out of flower, plants that have finished flowering, it's a good time to actually trim those back at this time of year and tidy them up and to give them a feed as well, to build them up for next year because you often hear me talking about plants that flower in the springtime if you feed them during the summer months, mm. that determines how well they flower next spring. So all those early summer spring flowering plants that flowered brilliantly this year, they need a bit of TLC now, a bit of trimming back, a bit of feeding at this time of year. And again, you're, you're just using the growth that we're going to get to help to set them up for next year. Um, the other thing I, I would advise people is to maybe to look at some of the... Um, some colour at the moment. So things like lupins are brilliant at the moment. They're flowering yeah, beautifully. Yeah, they're in great. Yeah, I see lots of those around. Really, really doing very well. And if you have lupins in the garden, keep an eye out for the lupin aphid, which is a very large green fly that attacks lupin oh. at this time of year. Just keep an eye out for it. Don't treat the plants unless you see it, but they're, they're quite large and very uh, visible. So keep an eye over the next couple of days for that. But in general, plants like lupins, peony roses, um, the oxide, the, the early flowering chrysanthemums are lovely. Um, geraniums, there's some lovely varieties of geraniums. Just These are the hardy outdoor geraniums that if you plant now, they're coming into flower now and will flower up till September. Um, in the garden centre last night, I was actually looking at a lovely plant called Erigeron, the sea man? breeze. There's Ooh. a new one for you, Erigeron. And it's, it's commonly called the uh, seaside daisy. So it's got very nice daisy, large daisy-like flowers. They're kind of a, a pinky blue colour. Oh. Um, really nice, but it's a great plant for seaside locations, but it's also a great plant for graves. If you have an exposed, open... We're often asked in the programme... Yes, what we plant? are. Mm. So there's a really good plant. It's called Erigeron Sea Breeze. And uh, as the name suggests, it's a sort of plant that takes 
very hardy. Uh, it'll take open conditions. It'll take wind. It'll take seaside conditions. It's one of those tough, easy to grow plants. It's a ground covering plant, mm. so it stays very low to the ground. Right. It'll only grow about four or five inches in height, but it'll grow the size of a dinner plate or maybe bigger. Sounds lovely. Lovely plant, and it's yeah. just coming into flower now and will flower right through until September, October. And it's the sort of plant that once you plant it, you can kind of leave it alone. My kind of plant. Right. So it's perfect. So it's a really easy plant to grow. Now, okay, with the dry weather coming, if you plant it over the weekend, make sure it's well watered and looked after for the first couple of weeks till it gets established. But it's the sort of plant that would suit a location like a grave where, you know, you plant it and you can forget about it and leave it alone. Which is a lovely idea at the moment because obviously Cemetery Sundays take place during the summertime and people will start to be thinking now, you know, if graves do need a little bit of tending, that they're they're looking good and people, I suppose, this is the time of year that people kind of think about things like that. Exactly, and the, the Erigeron is um, is a sort of plant that will grow anywhere. It'll grow on slopes and banks. It'll grow on seaside locations. But it's one of those easy-to-grow, kind of tough plants. The other one I noticed is a, is a great old plant, Fuchsia Tom Thumb, which is a little dwarf fuchsia, as mm-hmm. the name suggests. It only grows about a foot in height. And flowers, again, it's just coming into flower and will flower right through to late summer. So that's, again, a good plant if you want something small, neat and hardy. And there was another lovely plant um, it was a geranium. Uh, it was a blue flowering geranium uh, just coming into flower. Um, a really nice plants. It's one called Brookside. Okay. So it's a lovely, <laughs> lovely variety. Uh, really kind of navy blue flower, right. low growing. It's a hardy geranium. So it's one that you can plant. We, we associate geraniums with a kind of very vibrant reds, reds and pinks. Yes, yeah. But this is actually the herbaceous so geranium. it's more subtle. It's more subtle. It's a lower growing plant. It's blue flowers. It'll only grow about maybe eight or nine inches in height. Again, it'll grow the size of a dinner plate. So it's again a good plant if you want something low, carpeting, maybe on a slope or a bank. It's hardy. It'll t- tolerate wind. A good seaside plant as well. Uh, and again, would be suitable maybe for a location like if you wanted to plant up a grave. So there's lots of good plants like that that would give good colour over the next uh, couple of months if planted at this time of year. And I suppose the message really is that the soil conditions are really suitable for planting. The other thing I would recommend to people is that if you're thinking about putting in a new lawn, yeah. so if you need to reseed part of the old lawn or you want to put in a new lawn, you won't get a better week than this week to do okay, it. So, so the, the no. weather is absolutely perfect and really the steps are if you're putting in a new lawn, if there's any weeds or grass or rubbish growing on it at the moment eliminate that first of all with something like Resolva or Weed Free 360 which will eliminate any weeds that are there uh-huh. but leave the soil uh, uncontaminated so it, once it touches the soil it, it becomes neutralised the treatment. So it'll kill the weeds within four or five days. Right. Till over the soil, put in some fertiliser before you put on the seed, firm down the lawn, take off any stones or debris that might be there and put chuck in your lawn seed at this time of year, rake it in. It'll germinate at this time of year within seven or ten days. Okay. So within a week, certainly within a fortnight, you'll see the seed germinating and by August, September, you'll have yourself a really good lawn. So this, the moisture content is quite good for putting in new lawns or if you need to repair some patches in the lawn, right. this would be a good week to do that as well. So they're the type of things... So no shortage of jobs, really, Warwick. Absolutely. Okay. Make use of the good weather. Time is the only thing. So There's no excuse. There's no <laughs> excuse. No, that with the weather coming, yeah. I suppose it really is that 
uh, you know, it's it's been mindful of kind of getting control of the garden yeah. again. If you need to put some colour and planting, the, the soil conditions are ideal. And it's great to, to, to know that we've got five days of continuous good weather without and any rain. And we're hoping for more. And if we do get a bit more, it's lovely to be able to sit out in the garden um, and look around and enjoy your enjoy bit of hard what work. Got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the plants will respond to that heat as well because they're, as you said, with the with the um, wildflower meadow and with the lavenders, they're mm. just waiting to come into flower and the heat will actually push them, them on. in now. So it's going to be the next couple of weeks are certainly something we're going to be looking forward to. Great stuff. Now, we've got lots of questions for you. So we're going to take a quick little break first of all. And if you do have a question you'd like Porig to address on the programme this morning, it's quite simply 087 900 41 if you'd like to text us with thanks to CNC Cellular. Uh, you can call us either on 0818 3000 55 and the email is garden at midwestradio.ie now, you're very welcome back. Well, Porik, we, you st- touched on blight there at the start of the programme and obviously it is a topical one because there's quite a few questions in in relation to that. Now, I suppose we have it fairly well covered. Um, Tommy and some others have questions, but just I know sometimes it's hard to catch all the information as you're giving it over the air. So you ha- we do have a blog. Or you you I, have I, a blog, I, rather. I wrote, a, I wrote yeah. a blog, wrote an article actually on uh, the control of potato blight and what causes blight and the type of conditions. So that's up on my blog, which is Horkins.ie forward slash blog B-L-O-G and you'll get a, a good article there on, on how to control blight what are the symptoms of blight what to look out for so if you go on to that www.horkins.ie forward slash blog um, you get a, a full article that you can download and, and read uh, but really I suppose the message is take control of, of uh, prevent the blight at the moment by applying the Promoximal now very good. Okay, loads of questions in for you. Yep. So we're going to start at the top and work okay. our way down. Shoot. A listener would like to know, can they take a slip of a ca- Christmas cactus and how do you do it? Yes, you can. And this would be actually an excellent time to do it. Take short cuttings, about uh, four inches long. You can take maybe six or seven cuttings from the one plant um, and just insert them into a nice gritty compost. So something like perlite and compost mixed together 50-50. Have it really reasonably be moist but not too wet. So in a typical four or five inch pot, put in about six or eight cuttings cover the, the pot then with a polythene bag, stick it on a, on a bright windowsill and they'll root within about a four to six week period and you've got yourself young cacti plants again so they're quite easy to do. Fantastic. Now, best control for both carrot fly and cabbage fly, please. They'd like to protect the roots on both and they're wondering, uh, can they use uh, whatever you're going to recommend on any other vegetables? Well, they, they, the one treatment controls both. So carrot root fly and cabbage, cabbage. root fly are a pest that, that attack the roots okay. of both plants. So you can get... A, a treatment called uh, root fly treatment. It's a simple liquid. You mix it in water. It's actually garlic based, but very very effective. Um, and so you mix you mix it in water. Apply it as a drench onto the uh, carrots and cabbage plants this time of year, right down at the root structure. Drench the soil so that it goes down. It penetrates into the to five or six inches of the soil. Any carrot root fly or cabbage root fly that are there will be eliminated straight away. And that's very effective on any other root problems. So if you had a bit of leather jacket or chafter grub, anything that's kind of soil borne, that particular root fly uh, treatment you'll find very effective. And this is the time of year to be keeping out an eye out for carrot root fly. You'll know the, you'll notice the carrots are beginning to go a kind of a, a reddish, orangish colour on the foliage of the plants. And really, to be honest, I would nearly use the treatment just as a preventative measure because it's totally organic 
it's it's has it's derived from the essence of of garlic. So using it as a treatment would be a good thing to do anyway, right. rather than waiting for the actual roots to show the symptoms of damage. So a little bit of root fly uh, treatment, mix it with water, apply it onto both the carrots, and parsnips, then. anything kind of that's a root crop. Radishes can also suffer from it. Oh, and anything in the cabbage family, turnips, suede's, uh, cabbage, you know, cauliflower, mm-hmm. broccoli, da-da-da, any of those, use that as a soil drench, as a preventive measure at the base of the plants at this time of year. And again, great weather for, for doing that. Now, after all the rain, a lot of small weeds on the paths, patios and in shrub beds. What's the simple spray that a lady could use to control the weed growth and when would they use well, it? Well, on patios and driveways, you want to... First of all, this is the time to do it mm-hmm. the, with, with the dry weather. But uh, you want to get yourself a specific path treatment. So something like path clear would be very suitable on gravel, driveways, tarmacadam, you know, block paving, that sort of area. Um, so that can be applied now. In through your shrubs, you're better off either hand weeding or using um, a good garden hoe at this time of year and you'll find that very effective. Uh, an hour spent with the garden hoe will eliminate an awful lot of young weeds at this right. time of year and the heat will just dry them up straight away mm. rather than using a, a weed killer per se. So keep the weed, weed killers to the pathways, driveways, uh, gravel beds, that sort of area and maybe use the more traditional method to control the weeds in the in the uh, shrub beds. Now, if you had something, say, like bindweed or yeah. bishop's weed or an odd dandelion, say, growing through a shrub bed, you could use the, the Roundup gel, which is that gel treatment that you just spot treat here and there onto kind of isolated plants. And, and that works very effectively. So you might have bindweed growing up, wrapping itself around a, another climber or a, a shrub in the garden. And that could be just spot treated on. And that works very effectively if you right. just need to spot treat a particular number of weeds. But in general, small weeds, you'll find the garden hole does, is as good That's as anything. Uh, somebody has set a, a bare root laurel hedge in March. All the leaves have fallen off, some of them, and they're left with a bare plant. Is it dead or should it come, will it come back? Well, anything that hasn't reshoot it is, is, sounds like it's dead. Now, yeah. you can check it by just simply scraping the bark and seeing, is the wood brown? If it is, it's dead. If it, it's got green tissue. But at this stage in June, um, you know, they're planted now three months. You'd expect them, even those bare root plants, to have reshoot it again. Laurel is easy to grow. I would say those plants possibly had failed be- before, before they planted. it. Like March was, you know... A bit come, late, was it for Well, <clears throat> you can still plant in March, right yeah. up to April of this year. But, you know, sometimes plants may have got dried out at some stage, but the fact that those plants haven't reshoot it, they're not, they're, the likelihood of them reshooting again is very, very slim. They should have come through at this stage. Uh, you can do that quick check on them with scrape with your nail, just scrape the actual bark of the, the uh, laurel and see is there any green tissue inside. But I wouldn't expect those to re grow, replace them. Just get yourself a couple of, it sounds like through the hedge is just an odd one that has died. If it is that case, then just replace them or wait till the back end till October and the bare root plants come available again and you can replant at that stage. They do say some of them, not all of them. Yeah, and they'll catch up. They'll catch up on the plants that are already growing. So, you know, Maybe maybe leave it to the autumn. Take out the dead plants that are there. Leave it to the autumn and put in some fresh plants at that stage. Okay, uh, wood lice. Uh, <clears throat> what, somebody has a lot of wood lice around the garden and around the house, and it drives them mad. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all, I, I actually don't mind wood lice. They're okay. No, they don't do, they any, don't harm. do any harm. No, they don't do any they're harm. They're a little bit creepy crawly. But yeah, they, they feed on on. Uh, they're actually part of the ecosystem, and they feed on dying and dead plant matter so they're actually like earthworms they're they're beneficial in the garden yeah. i know they and they tend to they tend to um colonize around dampish areas so oh, you find them under stones and things yeah, exactly like that. where yeah. it's damp and cool and um look at they don't do any harm they're not going to affect your garden they're not going to do any damage to 
any anything. plants in the garden. So, uh, uh, yeah. Okay, we'll move on. Leave the world with lice alone. <laughs> Rhubarb, for it grew well this year and had lots of great pickings after feeding with Seamongus. Okay. When should we stop picking the stems? Normally July is, is the time. What I would nearly do is maybe go out and take um, take the last picking now. So go out and kind of crop the rhubarb, refeed it. So give it another application of Seamongus and build it up. Uh, but any, any new growth then don't, don't be tempted to take it after that. Allow the rhubarb to, to kind of build itself up for next year. So go out, crop whatever you've got. You can either freeze it to store it for the winter or use it over the next couple of, of days. And then just leave, feed the plants with, again, a seamongous would be an ideal feed to put on them again. And that'll build them up for next year. So normally we stop about the first or second week of July. That's, you need to give it the rest of the summer to Sorry. build it itself up for next year. Great. A listener has a lovely show of wallflowers, Great. double daisies and forget-me-nots this spring. The last of the flowers, though, are just finishing and Which they're they wondering, how do they get these plants <clears throat> to grow again next year? Do they, or do they sow new seeds? Well, you can do both, to be honest. Now, yeah. wallflowers, um, if you cut them back, if you stop them producing their own seed, you actually encourage the plant. It's, what the plants are doing at the moment is producing seed. So if you stop that by trimming them back and tri- trimming off all the old flowers, the plant is tricked into regrowing again. So it'll actually produce a whole load of new foliage and stems. Now, wallflowers actually root very easily from cuttings and it's a good time of year to take small cuttings off young, maybe three or four inch stems off the plants. Even just to stick them in the ground around the original wallflower, they'll root very easily and regrow. You can also sow seed at this time of year. And it's actually something we often forget that mm. you've got the perfect temperatures for sowing seed. You know, one of the difficulties in January and February is that you've got to bring all the seed inside and put them on a windowsill and nurse them through the, giving them artificial temperatures. The temperatures at the moment are absolutely perfect for sowing a whole range of seeds. So plants like lupins and delphiniums and foxgloves, all the perennial plants, you could sow at this time of year from seed to flower next year. Right, so we're okay. For right. sp- we're talking of late spring, early summer of next year. Yeah, right? and, and all, the, all the spring flowering plants like wallflowers, double daisies, um, sherianthus, the lovely Siberian wallflower, uh, forget-me-nots, all of those plants that flower in the springtime, sweet williams, for example, if you sow them from seed at this time of year, they're cheap to buy. Mm-hmm. They're very successful because you have the perfect. You have the perfect temperatures this week. I can guarantee you, and within a week they'll have germinated, and they'll give you strong plants to plant in the garden in August, September to flower next year. So it's a great time of year for actually sowing. And when you think about it, what's nature doing? The wallflowers are producing their own seed at this time of year. They're getting ready for yeah, the next. That's going to yeah. fall in the next four or five weeks. That's going to start to germinate naturally. So why not? Think about sowing some seed at this time. English marigolds, for example, would be a great plant to sow this time of year for colour this autumn right. and, and, be, and a, a bigger show of colour next spring. So it's a great time of year for sowing seeds right through June, July is a really super time. Even vegetable plants, if you sow them from seed at this time of year, they'll germinate in the matter of day, you know, certainly within seven or eight days uh-huh. and you'll get a crop then for the autumn. So use the heat that we're currently getting at the moment to actually start the next generation of plants. Great. And it's also a great time to take cuttings, small young cuttings. Okay, is we, good we have some cutting okay, questions coming go. so we'll, ha- we'll right. hang on to that yeah. for ju- just a moment. Um, first though, apple trees. Um, a listener has a row of trees planted at the side of a garden. One died. Now they'd like to replace it with an apple tree that produces Cox's apples. Yeah. So their question really is, is one enough or will they have to plant two together to pollinate them and can two be planted together and what variety should they get? Okay, and they have there. existing apple trees there, do they? No, they, they just say trees. So the, Okay. 
we're other not trees. really sure what trees they okay. are, but I'm getting the impression they're not apple trees. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's no, take that. could be wrong. <laughs> we'll, we'll start right. from that, yeah. that perspective. So look at apple trees, you, they need cross-pollination. So they need, uh, uh, normally speaking, we would put in a minimum of three apple trees into the garden. And you need varieties that will flower at the same time to get good pr- cross-pollination. So if you want to grow the Cox's Orange Pippin, you need two other varieties to grow with it. I would recommend a great variety called James Grieve, which pollinates coxes very well. Another great variety called Elstar and another really good one called Katie. They're three really good eating apples that you could plant with uh, the Cox's Orange Pippin. Um, you know, and those four varieties would work really well together and cross-pollinate. And they'll also give you a variety of of flavours because Cox's is a small apple, very, very sweet. Uh, Katie is a red apple, Beautiful big apple, but lovely red texture. James Grieve has a really nutty flavour uh, and, a, and quite a big apple as well. Really nice flavoured apple. Yeah. Um, what was the other one I mentioned? Uh, but anyway, they, so, three th- 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 those three would work really well. Elstar was the other Elstar. one, which is a really nice apple as well. It's kind of yellowish and red, uh, which is really good. Another favourite of mine is one called Egmont Russet, which is a russet type apple. The skin is like sandpaper, right? but the flesh is oh. absolutely... fantastic beautiful apple Egmont Russet a really old variety and a good pollinator of other trees so if you get a mixture the other thing you can do to to aid pollination is to plant a flowering crab so something like in the crab apple they're all in the same family and a lot of the orchards would bring in crab apples when they're in flower to help help the cross pollination process so you know uh, and they're ornamental trees so they're grown for their flowers and for their fruit so there's a lovely one called Rudolph which has lovely red, red fruit in the autumn, or golden hornet, which has orange uh, little apples in the autumn period. So a good time to plant fruit in the garden in general. Soil conditions are ideal for planting. Maybe go for the coronet range because they are Irish-grown apples. They're dwarf. They only grow to six or seven feet in height, mm-hmm. which means they're easy to pick. There's very little pruning to be done with them. They produce full-size apples. And within the coronet range, they're generally selected for flavour. So all of the varieties I mentioned there are available in the coronet family. Plus, they're grown in Ireland. So they're grown in it Ireland. Means that, you know, they have a better chance, I suppose. Absolutely. Than something coming in from abroad. Yeah, and they generally fruit in their first year. So when you're buying a coronet plant, you generally will see some fruitlets on the actual plant itself in its first year. So they're a really good range to grow. Look for those, the coronet. So general principles are a minimum of three apples, which you can put in five or seven or whatever. Go for different varieties that flower at the same time. You can mix cookers and eaters if you wish. And I would stick to the Coronet range because they're so easy to grow. There's very little work with them. Um, You're able to go out and physically pick your apple. You're not getting out the the ladder or the the step ladder to go up and pick the apple. They stay very neat, uh, only growing to six or seven feet. So they'll suit any garden and will actually grow very well in containers as well. Oh, right. Yeah. So good time to plant them. Good plant time to plant fruit in general, to be quite honest. Um, and people with fruit trees, it's a good time to start feeding them now because you're, they're, they're swell. the fruits begin to swell ah, at this time okay. of year. So good, a good time to put on something like a rose feed or something like sudden impact just to keep to give it help the that process. Yeah. Um, now, I know we've talked about potatoes. I just, there's a query specifically on diethane, actually, and somebody else, uh, Mary, has a question on the email as well in relation to it. Um, 
So we sprayed the potatoes with diethane and now the stalks seem to be dying. Could the diethane be out of date or is it mixed too strong? Is there anything they can do now to stop them from dying away altogether? No, it sounds like scorching of the foliage that the diethane was mixed too strongly and that can happen. You know, it, it's a metal-based uh, spray and you can get scorching with, with diethane. So you need to be just very careful of that. It's, it, you know, the fact that they spray them and within a couple of days they're, they're going now so uh, but yeah. perhaps it was too strong yeah the other thing to watch out is when you're using sprayers obviously if it's used for any other purpose like you know for the spraying of weed killers you need to wash them out thoroughly and the best way to do it is to wash them out with a washing up li- liquid mix it through the water pump it through the spray and that takes any residual chemical chemical mm. out of of the actual si- the system so okay. that that also could, but but definitely sprays that are mixed too with too high a concentrate you get scorching um, what can you do really just if the foliage is very badly damaged just trim it back it'll reshoot again you get the, the, the potatoes will actually reshoot but again take off the dodgy but, ones yeah but it's going to be you know it's going to delay the cropping and you're, you're looking now for probably a late summer crop really the promoximal the one I mentioned at yes. the top of the programme <clears throat> is that bit safer in that it's a systemic spray and that it works from within the plant rather than uh, diethane tends to be it, it's just a contact spray so any new growth that's that's made after diethane is used is not protected whereas with the promoximal it actually enters into the new growth right. so you get that con- protection for up to three weeks so it tends to be so just that, that bit, 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 bit better. better and that, that answers Mary's question <clears throat> in the email there as well <clears throat> now um, a listener tells us that they love their garden and they have lots of shrubs and old fashioned flowers and pots and flower beds that are years old and they have some favourite plants that they'd love to take slips from All and right, regrow okay. so this is our, 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 our uh, take the planting yeah, yeah. Can they do this now or when is the best yeah, time? Yeah, no, this is this is a really good time to take um, small cuttings of this year's growth. So sort of plants I would be thinking of would be things like easy to grow plants like forsythiae, spireas, um, hydrangeas, uh, you know, even rose slips, general plants that you see growing around the garden. Any growth I've made this year, that makes ideal cutting material. The main thing is to make sure there's no flowers. So take off any flowers or flower buds, strip off the lower leaves, just leave one leaf at the very top of the cutting, dip it into a bit of rooting powder. And again, in a small pot, you can put six or eight plants, little cuttings together. Make sure you get a gritty mixture. So sand and and compost or perlite and compost mixed together. That's important. And cover them with a polythene bag and sit them on a a, a windowsill or or even outside in a a sheltered area. They'll root within a four to six week period and you'll get yourself nice small young plants then for plants out for the summer. So it's a great time of year. Things like fuchsias, all of those plants root very, very easy. Lavateria, the mallow, um, lavender, all of those plants that are generally easy to grow plants root very readily from cuttings at this time of year. It's a bit of fun doing it as well. Or if you see a favourite plant, maybe in another garden, you take. it's a good time to take a slip of them. Now, if you're not ready to put them, insert them into compost straight away, put them into a polythene bag and they'll hold for a day or so. Right. right? And then you can prepare the cuttings. But it's a great time of year for actually propagating plants from cuttings and from, from, from seed, as I mentioned earlier. OK, we're going to take a quick break. We still have lots more to come, so stay with us. You're very welcome back to the programme. Uh, okay, Pork, next question is dandelions in the lawns. What do we do? That's good for them. How do we get rid of them without killing the grass? Well, just use one of the proprietary lawn weed killers, Dicoflower, if you've got a very, very large area or you can get a specific dandelion and daisy treatment. It's a good time of year to, to, to apply them um, and maybe leave the lawn for four, four or five days without mowing 
apply them, apply the treatment then and again leave it three or four days afterwards and that'll see them off. Great. Um, now, white cherry blossom trees, 10 to 12 years old. One is doing very well. One has a branch, each side growing up instead of down. Why is this? Well, what you're getting there is... <laughs> There's a new one for you. What sort of a question is that? Well, no, no, I'm no, trying no. to visualise it in my head. Well, it's it's it's. Um, Are they should they not be going up? No, cherry. When, when you see cherry blossom, oh. you've got weeping cherries. All oh, right. And you've got upright cherries. But the, the the thing that's common with all cherry flower and most trees as well is that they're grafted. So you, when you purchase a cherry plant, you're actually purchasing two cherry plants, as it were. One is the rootstock, and one is the actual tree that you want. So in in weeping versions, and this often happens with weeping willows, mm-hmm. uh, you the the rootstock kicks into growth, and you get this vertical shoot where you're expecting a. A, a drooping a shoot and that needs to be pruned out right. so check where it's coming from if it's part of the rootstock then just at this time of year cut it out one of the things I've actually noticed this year is the um, there's a lot of reversion in, in plants which means again plants like variegated maples where you should have a nice plant with variegated leaves yeah. you've got a lot of green shoots popping through it and that again it's what we call reversion it's where the plant is trying to revert back to its original type as in just the green version. And why the, does it do that? Because the, the green version is more vigorous, mm. it's more dominant. And rootstocks in general, like the listener here mm. with the cherry, the rootstock is a more dominant, and that's why it's picked, because it tends to be very vigorous. It tends to, and so grafting the weeping version onto the more vigorous rootstock, you get a stronger growth, generally on the weeping part, but sometimes the rootstock kicks into growth okay. as well, because it's more dominant. And this year in particular, I've noticed just driving that there's a lot of reversion happening. So people need to watch for trees that are traditionally variegated, where you're getting green shoots popping up through them. Make sure you prune those out. They're easy to ad- identify at this time of year because obviously they're green mm. and you can see them. And follow them back to the main stem and prune them out because they're going to take over from your variegated plant. Because the, because the plant is variegated, because there's more white pigment in the leaf, it tends to be less vigorous and less dominant. And the green version takes over. So I've noticed that a lot with variegated uh, maples in particular. Um, also with cherries, what, what you're describing there is common enough this year. Willows, I think we had a couple of weeks back. We did actually, weeping yeah. willows, you know. So watch for that. Watch for those suckers taking over and just prune them out. Anything that doesn't look right that looks different. This plant should be weeping, but I'm getting vertical growth. There's a question. Follow that stem back. And if it's coming from the rootstock, which is under where the the tree has been grafted, then you need to prune it out. Because presumably, if you don't, then it'll get out of hand altogether. Oh, absolutely. What will happen is the next year... Exactly. That's exactly. And you'll end up... This is probably a pink flowering cherry... And, and it's generally prune, uh, grafted onto Prunus avium, which is the white wild cherry. So you'll end up with actually a white. Or what you often find for a couple of years is get, you get pink and white in the one tree. Oh, right. But the white takes over Definitely. eventually and you end up with a with the wild cherry being the dominant. So, so, so be warned. And yeah, yeah, it, well, it makes sense to me, Forex. So if I understand it, I think, I think most other people should. Okay, but it's a good time to keep an eye out for it, I suppose. That's the point I'm making, particularly with the reversion, because you can see it at this time and of year. And is that a climactic thing, do you think, this no, no, year? Or no, is it just well, something that's it, happened? It's so. just... I, and I was asking myself that yeah, question. Is there a why, reason why? Yeah. Is it, I'm just noticing it more this right. year or is yeah. it just down to the year? I'm not sure, but certainly it's something that I've, mentally I've made a note of and um, you've reminded me of it. Uh, so, okay. you know, and like growth has been good this it year. Has, like it's been quite true. vigorous. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know. So maybe that has contributed yeah, to it. That's the reason. Cabbages and turnips growing in a polytunnel and they've got holes in the leaves. Um, now the listener has a net on the door to stop flies. Porik, good morning to you. Um, but 
I still have a problem. Okay, what he's got is a, a, a little pest called flea beetle and very active at the moment, very typical on turnips, swades and anything in the cabbage family. What he does, and you'll actually see it on willow herb weed as well. I'm looking at it last night, it's all... Uh, it's all marked with flea beetles. So what he does basically is he eats these circular holes in the leaves. And when you come close to the plant, the actual pest drops off the plant. So you actually don't see it. Like green fly will always stay there and you'll see them. They show themselves. Whereas flea beetle is one of these little pests that actually as soon as he sees movement, he tends to leave. He's sneaky. So you don't see him. Um, Now, Look, at it's easy to get rid of it. It's uh, use a little bit of bug clear and there's one specifically for vegetables that's very safe to use. So it's pyrethrum-based. Um, it's a very safe treatment. It's an organic treatment that you can use with them. Um, so that's bug clear for fruit and veg. Apply that today and that'll see... Now, naturally, anything that's damaged will remain damaged, but uh, the new growth will be perfectly okay. And it is important to treat them because flea beetle will actually retard the plants, right. particularly as seedlings that they won't thrive, they won't do well and they'll continue to feed. So put a little bit of bug clear fruit and veg treatment on, put it on this evening and that'll see them off. My lupins are in full bloom and Great. they're beautiful this summer. Some of the older flowers are producing seed heads so should they cut them off? Yes, you them? should. Take, no, take them off now but maybe at the end of the summer allow some of the shoots to produce seed and you could collect that seed and sow it maybe in August. But at this time of year you want the plants producing lots of colour and uh, so stop them producing seeds. So to any of those kind of flowers that are just going over go out maybe once a week and just trim them off, trim off the stem and do that with any of the perennial plants, the foxgloves, um, delphinium, stop them from producing seed and you get them to flower longer. Okay, lovely. Um, when do Christmas potato seeds come become available and have you got any tips for growing them? Well, these are the potatoes that are grown for new potatoes at Christmas time. It's more mm-hmm. a novelty than anything else. Um, you generally plant them around the middle of July, early August, so it's a little early yet for planting them. They do very well in containers. So if you've got yourself a greenhouse or a tunnel, that's really the kind of location you want for them. Keep an eye out in your local garden centre about the middle of July, and, and they generally are branded Christmas potatoes. There's generally seven or eight varieties. Put them into a couple of pots in good compost. Grow them like the traditional potato, yeah. but they do need a little bit of protection from the, uh, in the tunnel and greenhouse, and they work very, very well. But it's, it's about a month too early yet. The soil in our vegetable garden is heavy. Would okay. you recommend adding mushroom compost? I would. Now, Peter says, the hens go into the vegetable garden, and what plants would they damage? Well, well, hens will have a field day on all plants. I mean, they'll eat ornamental plants, they'll eat... Um, and really what they're eating is a lot of the young growth. That's what they're interested in. So you need to keep your hens out as much as possible. Um, mushroom it, compost yeah. is great, or any organic matter, farmer manure, anything that will help to break up the soil is great to add into heavy soil. So it adds nutrition, but it also adds bulk, and it helps to change the texture of the soil from heavy to a lighter, more crumb a crumb type there. structure and that's really what you're looking for and makes it easier so, for gardening so a great time to dig it in um, any time over the now right through to autumn you can add organic matter into the soil and it'll certainly have, now it'll take you know it'll be next spring before you see the benefits of that because obviously it has to decompose and yeah. break down but the addition of or, any form of organic matter adds bulk and nutrition and it's great now, a listener has lilies. Uh, they're not very tall as, uh, and they're not as strong as they were before. So they're wondering, do they need to be replaced or could they have cut them back earlier? What well, should it, they do for next year, really? I'm, I'm assuming these are the white lilies, the arum okay, lilies, yeah. the calla lilies, yeah. The, um, like, 
first of all, it's early in the season yet. I mean, they have they're been only fla- coming in, are they not? Well, they've been flowering for the last three or four weeks, but they do flower right through till September. I would be inclined just to give them a good feed. They are hungry feeders, so give give them something with a, with plenty of kick in it, like um, a little bit of the Osmo Pro Six or even the Seamongus fertilizer would be very good. Apply uh-huh. that now; it works brilliantly on the rhubarb, as, as some of the listeners have have mentioned, and it would do very well on lilies as well. So just give them a couple of handfuls of that, boost them on, feed them up, and because remember they grow from nothing from yeah. soil level right up to three or four feet and uh, produce very large leaves and lots of flowers so they're they're quite hungry plants um, so put on some of the organic uh, seamongous fertiliser now maybe repeat it in three or four weeks time and I think that'll see them you don't need to replace them. Right. No. Um, a listener has not got around to sowing any vegetable seed yet. Right. They're wondering, is it still okay to sow? Perfect. And can you recommend some good carrot types to grow for winter use? Okay. Well, first of all, in terms of sowing seed and vegetables, it's still you've got loads of time. Right up to the end of July, you can be still sowing the seeds. Okay. Carrot varieties for winter use, a really good one called Eskimo. Oh, I love the name. <laughs> Eskimo. Really, really easy to remember. It uh, is. The nice thing about it is that you can actually leave it in the ground over the winter period. So it, it's you one that you don't have to harvest. You can, like like parsnips, you can leave it in the ground. And if anything, the flavour is a whole lot better. So it grows to a certain size and then that's it and it's it stays... A, it's a winter hardy variety. Yeah, you sow it at this time of year. Anytime up to the end of July, you can sow it. So it's one called Eskimo. It's specifically for autumn, winter use. And you can harvest it any time from kind of September, October, right through to Christmas, uh, January, whatever. And yeah. you can leave it in the soil over the winter period. So that's a really, a really great variety. There are other plenty of other varieties like the early nantes that you can still sow this time of year for cropping maybe in September, August, September sort of period. So maybe sow a little bit of both. Sow the Eskimo now for winter use a winter crop, and sow some of the earlier varieties, the more faster maturing varieties like early Nantes. If you sow that now, you'll be picking it at the end of August, September, October sort of period. And the Eskimo then will bring you through the winter period. Um, A listener has butterfly shrubs growing in the garden. They just want to know if they can be grown from seeds in different colours, and if so, when and how to sow. Well, butterfly plant, it's well named. I'm trying to picture it in my head. Butterflies. Should I I know it? You should. Okay. It's a plant called Bodleia. You'd often see it growing um, out in Dublin. In the, you know, the, uh, in some of the the houses where they have the, um, the, what is it called, Porik? The underground, what would you call that? A basement. A basement. A basement. I thought you were looking for a very complicated. No, word no, tomorrow. a basement. You know how how you you might uh, along the walls yes. there. It it actually grows out of the out of walls, out oh, of limestone. Right, right. So it's right. one of those really easy to grow plants. But buddleia, butterfly bush, long purple flowers, and the reason it's called butterfly bush because the butterflies love it. This, it's full of nectar. Bees love it as well, and they'll come and drink the actual nectar, nectar from the flower. And it comes in a whole range of different colors. So it's coming. It's actually in flower at the moment, and will flower for the summer. Propagates simply. By, and the reason I mentioned the basement is that actually the seed is blown into the walls oh, and it germinates the in the concrete, in the walls. So it doesn't need much, in it other words. It doesn't need a whole lot yeah. to grow. I mean, it literally will grow in any type of soil. Heavy, wet soils, it won't. So it grows in the limestone walls because it's so dry, it's getting the, the limestone and it's just, it, they grow brilliantly. They become a bit of a weed, to be honest. Right. Uh, you know, and, they, and so, but, but that's how simple they are to grow. Okay, so so you can sow them from seed. You can buy Thompson and Morgan actually do a package from memory serving variety of mixed colours, whites, pinks, and blues. You can sow them at this time of year for flowering next year, or you can propagate them from slips or cuttings. 
at this time of year to flower next year as well. Simple plant to grow. Okay, so lots of options yeah. there. Buddleia, Buddleia or butterfly bush, really good plant. Great uh, filler. If you want to plant kind of fill up an area quickly, it'll grow five, six feet in height, similar in width. It's that type of plant. Right. And the flowers are about six inches long, big spikes of flower. So it's a really simple plant. A simple plant with lots of great colour filler. by the sounds of it. Yeah, great filler, great for insects, you know, that type of an easy to grow plant. Okay. Um, a Westport listener has some lilies growing near roses and okay. they're wondering will, would the lilies be taking the good out of the soil? Yeah, well, not really. I mean, it depends how close they are to the roses, to be quite honest. I mean, if, if they're the white lilies, the calla lilies that we talked about, mm. they are hungry, they are vigorous. So, give, of course, they're going to... Give them all a feed. Well, well, that's it. Feed them all. And if you need to move the lilies, then leave them till November, till they die back. Dig them up and transplant them. Um, because roses are hungry feeders as well. Look at it. A little bit of sudden impact on each of them will benefit both and... Uh, you know, bring them, yeah. bring them to. But of course, if they're planted close together, there is going to be natural competition between both plants, and the lily will win out because it's a more vigorous, right. you know, it's a hungrier type plant than roses. But feed both at this time of year. Um, it's a good time to feed roses in general, and do put on the the treatments as well, the rose rescue sprays to keep the bugs and diseases off them. Um, a listener would like to know about growing sweet basil. Can they do this now from seed? And what other herbs might you recommend? They've got a small glass house. It's super time to do herbs. And basil is so easy to mm. grow and it's so fast growing. If you sow the seed today, by this time next week, they'll have germinated. They're that fast. And basil comes in a whole range. There's Thai basil, sweet basil. There's a purple foliage basil available at the moment, which is lovely as well. So basil, very, very simple to grow. And you do need to green, grow it in a greenhouse or a tunnel or in a protected area. It's, it's uh, out of doors. It just won't thrive as well. But all the herbs can be sown at this time of year. And go for the, the parsleys, the thymes, oregano, uh, basil, as we mentioned, chives. They can all be sown from seed. Uh, the fast-growing, maturing ones will, will be ready for cutting this year. And some like thyme, um, rosemary, lavender, you're playing for next year, really, from, for sowing them from seed. But you can also plant them from plants. The plants are available at this time of year and you get cuttings from those this year. OK, just one or two more, Park, before we finish up. A listener has a beautiful, variegated Acer maple uh, in the lawn. It's about 15 feet high and they noticed this summer a lot of... Well, this is actually, actually what we were talking about. The green leaves and shoots, sorry, uh, growing <clears> through <throat> the coloured leaves. So, we, so we, cut them out. Cut them out. OK. Um, now... Would we need to water laurel hedges during the warm weather? Well, generally plants that are planted that are in maybe a year or two, they're going to be perfectly okay. But certainly plants that have been newly planted, so if you've planted since, say, uh, last autumn, this spring, or if you've got plants in containers, it's actually, you should go out today and give them a thorough soaking. So plants that are in the ground that are established would be fine, even with the very warm weather next week. You, there's enough moisture content in the soil to carry them through for many weeks yet. But plants that are newly planted or plants that are in containers, yes, and the other thing to do is to give them a good feed, give them a liquid feed as well of something like Liquid One or Miracle Grow uh, to give them a bit of a boost as well. Okay, Mary has a lavateria and it's full of buds, ready for flowering. Now, flowers never burst open and the same happened last year with the hot summer. Would there be any reason why? Well, there shouldn't be. Like, lavateria is one of these really easy to grow plants. Sometimes it can get a, a mildew on, on the foliage and on the buds that stop the buds from opening. So what the listener should do is maybe give it a light application of something like the Rose Rescue would actually be very good to put onto the lavateria. It'll stop the, it'll stop the mildew affecting the actual buds okay. and bringing it to flower. But it's one of those really easy to grow plants, plants. lavateria. And this sort of weather that we're going to get will 
I'd be amazed if it doesn't commit to flower. And it wouldn't need a drop of water or anything like that, would it? Well, no. it depends where it's growing. Yeah. But I mean, if it's growing in garden soil, if it's growing... like it plant, be fine. It is something to remember that when plants are in bud and when they're in flower, they do use copious amounts of water. Yes. So hydrangeas, for example, at this time of year, as they're coming into flower, the flowers actually use more water than the foliage. So plants in containers, as they're flowering, make sure you keep them very, very, very well watered. Um, and hanging baskets, all of that sort of thing. Keep an eye on those uh, over this the, the warm weather that's promised. Keep them liquid fed and keep them well watered. Okay, I'm afraid we'll have to leave it there. So blight is the big well, thing just get, today. Well, I suppose that was the message yeah. that really with the dry weather protect your plants so with blight control but also roses should be treated that kind of you know tidying up the garden and getting rid of weeds and tree preventing disease happening later on in the summer so the blight blog is available on horkins.ie forward slash blog and download it from there lovely stuff we'll have a good week, week and we'll talk to you next Saturday okay. take care that's it Michael Leary is up after the news at 10 which is on the way next for me until next Saturday just after 7 a very good morning to you